This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. So what's going on, 1230? How are you guys doing today? Hey, that's pretty good for the 1230. What's up? You're going to fire me up. That's going to be good. Hey, we are starting a new season and a new series in this church called Dangerous Prayers, and we're entering a period of fasting and prayer. I'm going to talk a lot about that in just a little bit, but I'm ready because today I believe God is going to move in a big way. I believe that God wants to move some spiritual mountains in your life, that 2017 really could be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If you really take a time and an opportunity to draw closer to God, the Bible says he'll draw close to you as well. And I can't wait to see what he does in and through your life. This is gonna be a big day. This is gonna be a bold day. This is gonna be a bodacious day, a blessed day, a boss day. Anybody got any more bees? Any more bees? All right, that's all right. Um, But here's what you need to know before we dive in. you see all the, the lights and the smoke and all that kind of stuff of the church and the things that the people see. Here's what you need to know, that it's kind of what you don't see that's really made this church uh, successful, if you want to define success that way. It's really what you don't see, that this church has been founded on and based on the value of, of prayer, like from the start. We would have families meeting in my living room, and we would just pray for what God was going to do in our city through the church. And then we'd have these mobilized meetings, and maybe you were a part of those at Harding School, and we would meet in the library before we even launched. And we would pray you know, for, for the school and pray for what God wanted to do. We had these mailers that were going to go out to and hit your homes and all that, and we prayed over those mailers, just asking God to, 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 to really engage people with that mailer and have them, have them come. We prayed in the auditorium. We prayed in the parking lot of the school. And then before we moved here, right? We, we prayed around this building. We circled it up. We kept praying. And then before the theater closed down, this used to be one of the theaters right here. And I remember I came on the very last day that this theater was open. I don't even know what movie I came in and saw, but I'm like, I got to get in there and pray. So I sat in the back right here in this theater and just prayed that God would, would open up the doors for us. This church has been founded on prayer. Before you got here today, you need to know that people prayed for you that we have teams of people. We do a team rally every Sunday and they're praying that God would move in your heart. They prayed over these seats. We have a prayer team that prays that if you're far from God and you don't know him, that today God would reveal himself to you. It's never been by our strength or by our power, but it's always been by his spirit. You need to know that. This is a praying church because here's what we believe, that if you would experience one second in the presence of God, like one, one second of experiencing who God is trumps any kind of explanation about who God is, that you would have this experience with him. This has always been a praying church. And so if that's the case for the church, 
Like how much more should your life be marked by prayer? Like really, for your homes, for your, for your families, what would it look like if your life was marked with prayer? That's why starting today, all right, January 8th, this kicks off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, maybe you just are, are coming in on this. We've been talking about it for uh, several weeks beforehand just to prepare you for it, something that you need to prepare for. And you don't have to fast food or, 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 or anything like that. But basically what we're doing is we're setting aside things that we love for something we love even more and telling God, you know what, you come first. We're gonna focus on you. So maybe you're gonna fast Netflix binge watching or you're gonna fast, you know, Starbucks. Yeah, don't, don't do that. You need your Starbucks. Or you're gonna fast, I don't know what you're gonna fast, but take an opportunity to focus really on what God wants to do in and through your life. So we start today and then we end on January 29th. So we end before the Super Bowl, okay? So you're good there. You can eat, you can do whatever you want to and watch the, the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl and watch God's team beat the Steelers. Amen, amen. <laughs> but part of what's gonna make this season successful is that you and I know how to pray and know what to pray for because the reality is many of us, many of us struggle with this. Pew Research shows that Ladies, this is bad news for you. Only six out of 10 of you pray. Six out of 10 of you, that's terrible. Guys, only four out of 10 of you pray. So we're way worse, right? So we have some room to grow when it comes to prayer. So that's why we're, we're kicking this off. We're adopting a rally cry for this series. It goes like this. We want you to pray first, pray big, pray always. Say that with me. Pray first. Pray big, pray always. One more time, pray first, pray big, pray always. Like what would it look like if you woke up every morning and just said, God, good morning, thank you for this day. I dedicate this day to you. Do with me what you will. And you prayed first. Or before you, you know, typed out that email response. Some of you need to pray first before you write that. Or before you respond on Facebook, you need to pray first. Or before you go to that meeting, you need to it's really only two words, people, all right? Pray first. It's not that hard. Before you engage in conversation or something you gotta do, you need to pray first. Let's pray first. Let's pray big, and let's pray always. And we're gonna kick this thing off today talking about praying big. Big prayers, big kind of bold, dangerous kinds of prayers. Pray first is pretty self-explanatory. So we're gonna talk about praying big. And here's the key thought if you're taking notes. Write this down. What I believe about God is revealed in the way I pray. This is so true. What you believe about God and who God is is reflected in the way that you pray. In other words, it says a lot about what you believe about God by what you pray for or by what you don't pray for. Maybe you don't pray. Well, that tells me a lot about what you believe about God. Or maybe it means that you don't believe in God or it could mean that you just don't believe God really answers prayer. So what you believe about God is reflected in the way that you and I pray. Or if you pray small prayers all the time, and that's not, it's not bad. God's concerned about the little things in your life, but if that's all it ever is, then it could be that, that you don't really believe God is a God who answers big prayers. Or if all your prayers are always about yourself, God bless me, 
God, help me, right? God, um, be with me, comfort me, then that reveals that you believe God exists just for you and your needs, which is a dangerous um, prayer in and of itself because what happens when you ask those things of God and you, you believe he exists for you and he doesn't show up like you thought he was going to? A lot of times you'll, you'll get frustrated or, or even worse, you'll lose your faith in God. Well, I don't, God didn't you know, show up the way I thought, so forget it. What you believe about God is revealed in the way you and I pray or even in our language. The words that we use say a lot about what we believe about God. For example, you might be in a tough spot and you might say, um, I'm going through this really difficult time. You know, I'm facing this, this challenge that's intense. And when you've exhausted every other option, right, of, of how you can, you know, accomplish it or move past this hurdle, a lot of times people will say, well, we've tried everything. All we can do now is what? Is pray. All we can do now is pray. If prayer is your last resort, then that says a lot about what you believe about God. Like prayer should never be your last ditch effort. It should always be our leading action, right? Pray first, pray big, pray always. I think when God hears stuff like that, well, all we can do now is pray. I, I, I get this picture of God in heaven going, uh-oh, you're down to prayer now? You're screwed, right? Because I'm just, who am I? I'm just the God of the universe. You know, what can I possibly do to add to your situation or whatever you're going through? What you believe about God is revealed in the way that you and I pray. So this is what I want you to think about right now. Think about this past week. Think about everything that you prayed for. Maybe just mentally grab hold or jot two or three things down that you prayed for in this, this past week. I want you to think about it right now. And some of you might say, well, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really pray. Well, that says a lot about what you believe about God. Or you might say, well, I don't remember. Well, that says something too. Or some of you might say, well, I prayed for this, and I prayed for that, and I prayed for this to happen. So right now, just jot down or commit to memory a couple things that you prayed about this last week. Now, as you're doing that, I want to ask you this question. If God miraculously said yes to everything that you prayed for, stamp yes, you know, poof, yes, you know, miraculously said yes to everything you prayed for, what would be different in the world today? What's gonna be different because of what you prayed for? If you're like most people in our culture, the only things that are gonna be different are gonna be the things that impact you. The things that are, are close to, to you, that directly affect you. For example, um, if you're a single lady and you want a husband, you want God to bring you a husband, then this last week God brought you a godly, on fire, Christian man who looks like Brad Pitt, right? You got that new boyfriend. Like, done, if he said yes. Or some of you, maybe you want your husband to be a, a spiritual leader. And so that's what you prayed for. And then this week, you know, all of a sudden he became a spiritual leader of your house. Or maybe, you know, some of you guys, you prayed that your wife would actually make a move this week on you. What's up? And that's what happened. Like, what are the things that you prayed for if God said yes? Maybe you would have gotten that raise, you, your grandma would have been healed from cancer or, or you would have qualified for that home loan that you've been trying to get. Your friend's marriage maybe is about your friend. Uh, their marriage would have been restored. Chances are, if you pray like most people in our culture, the only thing that would change if God said yes would be the things that are close to us. 
into our circle. And truthfully, as your pastor, like, I took an inventory of the things I prayed for. And that was true of my life as well. Pray for my, my wife and the pregnancy and pray for my, my kids, the things that directly impact me. And that's good. That's okay. But I want us to be a church that prays big prayers. A church that if God was to answer the things that we collectively prayed for, that today every church in the city of Erie would be overwhelmed with salvations. That today like thousands of kids would be adopted because that's the way that we pray. Or that women and children that are in sex trafficking would be set free. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray big, bold prayers. So what kind of church we need to be. And so ask yourself, what is it that you prayed for this week? And what would be different if God said yes? Because if we want to make a big difference in this world, we need to pray big prayers. Big prayers result in big differences. So in the book of Acts, that's where we're going to study today. If you have your Bible, book of Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bible, take it out. You got your iPhone, take it out. You got your iPad, Take it out, or you can use your eyeballs, because that's going to be up here on the screen, too. You can just look up on the screen. But let me give you some context for this. Jesus has been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and he's empowered his church to spread the good news of the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And so the church is growing. You know, thousands are coming uh, to to, to Jesus. In fact, the apostle Peter had just preached this, this, this incredible message where he was saying, hey, this is a corrupt generation. You guys need to repent and get saved, get baptized, and miraculously, on the opening day of the church, 3,000 people, right, were born into the family of God. Not long after that, Peter and John are walking to the temple. They're going to do some more preaching. So they're outside the temple courts, and they go through the, the gate called Beautiful, and there's this guy that's sitting there who's been lame for like 40 years, couldn't walk. And so, you know, Peter, in this big faith moment, prays this big prayer. He says, silver and gold, I don't have to give you, but this is what I give you. And he prays this prayer in the name of Jesus, get up. And so the guy gets up and he walks. Well, the religious leaders didn't like it. The Sanhedrin didn't like it because they, these guys were preaching uh, resurrection of the dead and they didn't believe in that at all, that Jesus was raised from the dead. So they arrested Peter and they arrested John. They put him, in, put him on trial Um, put him in jail, and asked him, what name, under what authority, what name are you doing these things? And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, who you killed. Basically saying, you guys took the guy who was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you killed him. And we saw him come back to life with our own eyes. And when the guy who was dead comes back to life, like, you do what he tells you to do. And he told us to tell everyone the good news. Well, the religious leaders I would have loved to kept these guys in jail because they didn't want them talking uh, about Jesus. They would, probably would have loved to kill them or you know, whip them in, at the least. But because the crippled guy was now healed and everybody saw it, they couldn't do it because they knew if they kept him in prison, it was just gonna start this whole like, rebellion and, and probably more and more people would be added to the church. So against their wishes, they released Peter and John and that's where we pick up the story. In verse 23, here's what it says. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. So they went back to the Christians. They went back to all these people. This church had been been growing, and they told them what the leading priests and elders had said. They would have said, they threatened us. 
You know, they threatened to kill us or, or to hold us prisoner. You know, they told us never to speak in this name again. That's kind of, they're telling them what happened. Verse 24, when they heard the report, I love this, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. When they heard this, everyone together prayed. There is something incredibly powerful when people come together and lift their, their prayer requests, lift things to God in prayer. That's why during this period of 21 days of prayer and fasting, every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., Thursday at 6 a.m., and Sunday at 8 a.m., we're going to come together and pray. Whoever wants to be a part of that, just come, just show up. We're gonna lift these requests to God and just, and just pray. And in fact, on Thursday the 12th, we're gonna do it during lunchtime. We've invited you know, churches across the city, some pastors and other leaders of churches just to come together and pray. We're gonna join hundreds of cities across the, the nation and pray for revival in our cities and in our country. We're gonna come together and do that. There's something amazing that happens when we come together and pray. Now, as soon as I say that, it freaks some of you out because you're wired a little bit like me. I'm never, I've never been the guy that's the first person in line at the prayer meeting. Like, I've never been that guy that wanted to go, you know, and, and circle up with people and hold hands and fling snot and cry and pray for hours and hours and hours and hours. I've just never been that guy. And so I understand it can be weird. The whole hand-holding thing, right, let's be honest, can be weird. Because inevitably, you're stuck between two people and you're wondering, you know, do I go over or do I go under or what do I do with that? Or you're like, you know, do we do intertwined fingers? Which that's weird, don't do that. <laughs> Never intertwine fingers during prayer time, all right, I'm just telling you. And most of the time you're like, you, you, you get next to somebody and you're, you're unequally prayer hand yoked, you know what I'm saying? Because you got that person that's like, that's like it's like holding like a, a dead fish or something, like nothing's there. It's like, man, wake up, you know, give me something, just a firm grip. And then you got the other person that every time they pray, they get louder, they squeeze harder and harder and harder. Like for the love, right? So I get it, I understand it can be weird, I understand it can be awkward, but here, here's what you need to know. If you're a new Christian and you're gonna show up to one of these prayer gatherings and, and people are holding hands, here's all you need to know, all right? Just jot this down right here. When everyone says amen and you're done, all you do is give a little squeeze and let go. That's like, like you have to do that as a Christian. Amen, squeeze, let go. Everybody does that. It's gonna help you out. I don't think it's gonna help somebody out. Don't you dare keep holding hands though when somebody says amen, because that's weird, that's not good either. But there's something powerful that happens when believers come together and pray. And here's, here's really what happens. Maybe I don't have faith for something. But when I hear other people and I hear their faith and they're praying to God, they're praying out loud, you know what I get to do? I get to climb on top of their faith. And all of a sudden it gives me faith. It gives me this, like, this, this exponential kind of growth in my faith to pray. It might not be your your nature to want to do that, but there's something amazing that happens time and time again. In scripture, people came together in agreement before God. So I encourage you to join us. Join us for the next three weeks, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, 6 a.m., and then 8 a.m. on Sunday, we're going to pray. We're going to pray big prayers. We're going to pray bold, audacious 
bodacious kinds of prayers. I think that's bold and audacious together, bodacious, just so you know. So that's what these guys were doing, right? And so they were under extreme persecution, and they came together, and right here is the prayer that they prayed. Let's take a look in verse 24. They said, oh, sovereign Lord. Somebody say sovereign. Sovereign. You know what sovereign means? Sovereign basically means, God, you're the man. Like, you're the man. You're in control. You reign supreme. You are sovereign. You are in all, over all, like you are all. You're the man. And watch how this, this God-focused uh, prayer goes. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. It says, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. He goes on to quote like some things that, that David said. Skip down to verse 27. In fact, this happened here in the very city, in this very city, for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But watch this. Everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Everything that had happened, like you knew God was going to happen, they, they begin this, this prayer with this amazing awareness of who God is. They say, God, you're sovereign. You're the creator. You are, you know, you are in charge. You ordained all of this. You know, you are God. Quick question, did God need to be reminded he was God, yes or no? No. Like, he's God. God wasn't going, mm, I forgot who I was. Thanks for reminding me. That's not what he was doing. He didn't need that. What were they doing? They were putting God in his rightful position so they could worship a holy God. They were placing themselves. They weren't reminding God. They were reminding themselves who God was. In fact, they learned this from Jesus. Jesus in Luke chapter 11, he's off praying. And some of the disciples see him praying. They hear him praying. They're like, hey, teach us to pray that way. We want to pray that way. And so he comes back and says, all right, well, here's a guideline for you to how to, how to pray the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. They start out with that, hallowed be your name, which means reverent is your name. You are highly revered, right? Your name is consecrated. Like, you are God, you are sovereign. So they learn that from Jesus. So they're not reminding God, they're reminding themselves. And once they do that, they pray these two big prayers, big audacious prayers. And my prayer is that we as a church would learn to pray this way. Because if we're going to make a big difference, we got to pray big prayers. We cannot be half-hearted, lukewarm, cultural Christians, but we need to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you to pray these two big prayers. The first is this, God make us bold. That's what they prayed. God, make us bold. They said this in verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Remember what were their threats? We don't know exactly, but it's probably you're gonna stay here in prison. We're gonna kill you. We're gonna, we're gonna beat you. We're not sure what it was. It's likely something like that. Hear their threats, Lord. And here's what they prayed. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Help us to be bold. They pray, God, make us bold. Now, if I'm looking at this from the outside, here's what I'm thinking. Like, that's what got you in prison in the first place, all this boldness, right? If I'm gonna kind of, you know, give these guys some advice, I'm gonna say, hey, why don't you guys lay low for a little bit? You were just arrested. You're lucky you got away this time. Like, maybe you should keep this whole name of Jesus talk down to a minimum. Why don't you play it safe? 
Why don't you stay comfortable? But that's not what they did. They prayed for even more boldness. Just love that. Like, when's the last time you prayed for boldness? When's the last time you prayed, God, make me bold? The reality is most people don't. The majority of people don't pray this way, maybe because you'd say, I haven't thought of it. Or maybe you'd say, it's kind of scary. Well, I kind of like, you know, like things the way they are. I'm, I'm comfortable. I think the bottom line is the reason why many of us don't pray that way is because boldness is an others-centered prayer. Boldness is not usually for my benefit. It's for the benefit of someone else, to help someone else know the love of God through Jesus. And if we're honest, most of our prayers are very self-centered. God help me get an A on this exam. God help me kill this presentation so my boss you know, recognizes me as an up-and-comer. You know, God, you know, help, my, help my grandma, help me get the raise, help me get the, the new car, or in Jesus' name, I pray that this pimple is gone before school on Monday, right? Most of the time, our prayers are very self-centered, but when you pray for boldness, it's an other-centered prayer. You pray for, for boldness, you're praying, God, use me today the way you'd want to. God, use me. Help me be sensitive to the promptings of your spirit so I can minister to people who are far from you. God, give me eyes to see people where they are. Every Sunday before I walk out here, I'm praying, God, give me eyes to see where people are. Help me hear your spirit so I can be sensitive, God, so I, so I know what to say. God, use me that way. Pray for boldness. And when you do, watch out. God will stir up something in your life. The second thing we see they pray for in a big way, is they pray for miracles. Now, this is dangerous. This is huge. When you pray for miracles, man, you're just, this is big. God, do the miraculous. They pray for boldness. Consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak the word of God boldly. And then they pray for the miraculous. Look at it in verse 30. They said to God, stretch out your hand with your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name through the name of the holy servant, Jesus. And, and if you keep reading on, you see they pray these, these big prayers, these miraculous prayers. God, heal the sick. They, they pray for demons to be cast out of people. They pray for people to be raised from the dead to do miraculous signs and wonders. They're praying big prayers. Because again, if you're gonna make a big difference, you're going to pray big. Because what you believe about God is revealed in the way you and I pray. But the reality is most of us spend most of our time praying small prayers. And again, I'm not knocking that. But the overwhelming majority of our prayers are small. And I do it too. I catch myself doing this all the time. Maybe it's something like, you know, God, God, thank you for this day. Just God, thank you for this day. How many times do you pray that? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. I think sometimes God hears that and goes, all right, I'm, I'm grateful that you're thanking me for this day, but why don't you go and do something with this day that I've given you? Like, you've been thanking me for this day for the last 40 years of your life, right? Like, let's do something else. Or maybe you've heard this prayer, God, God, just be with us. Just be with us, be with us, be with us, God. Which God's going, I said I would be. I promise you I will be, that I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, right? He says, where can you go? You can't go to the heights, you can't go to the depths. I'm going to be there. Of course, I'm gonna be with you. Ask me for it, fine, but no, I've already promised that I'm with you. 
always, or one of my personal favorites, you know, is this. God, give us traveling mercies. Traveling mercies. Which sometimes I think God would say, you know what? If you just buckle up, you know, drive the speed limit, you're probably going to be okay. Don't you think God sometimes is saying, would you ask me for something big? Would you pray big? Would you pray for the miraculous so that when it happens, no one can say you did that, only I did that. I think God wants us to pray big, bold, miraculous prayers. So when he shows up and shows off, he gets all the credit. But the reality is, here's the pushback, and I understand this. Because I've only... Maybe some of you know this, maybe some of you don't. I've only prayed like a few times, like big prayers. And one of them was before we launched the church. It was in the, the, this parking lot. Uh, we were looking at two different locations to plant Elevate Church. We were looking at the West Erie Plaza, the old theater there. And then we were looking at Harding School. And so I'd go from parking lot to parking lot, and I'd pray in the parking lot, and just, God, where do you want us to go? God, open a door. And it seemed like he was shutting doors in both places. And we were getting really close to, man, we gotta, we gotta figure out where we're going to be. And so one day, I'm just at Harding again, and I'm kind of at my wits end. I'm like, God, and I've never done this before, haven't done it since, I say, God, just give me a sign. I just need a sign. And some of you have heard this, some of you know this. And I get out of my car, and I look up, and right above Harding School, this is what I see. I don't know if anybody can see anything in the clouds. Can anybody see that? Thank you. I'm glad you saw the arrow. Okay, good. Because I thought for a second you might think I'm crazy. But, and this is all stretched out. And it really wasn't that stretched out to fit that screen. But it looked like to me that there was this, this perfect arrow. And it was just pointing right at Harding School. And in that moment, I took a picture. I'm like, thank you, God. I know that this is where you want us to go. And that's where we launched. You know, it's this February. is five years ago that we launched this church. Pray big prayers. Ask God for the miraculous. But here's why we don't. Because we say, well, what if? What if I don't give that sign? Or what if I pray for something miraculous to happen and it doesn't happen? I don't wanna be disappointed. Or you might give God the escape clause, right? That goes, well, well, what if I pray for that and God doesn't do it? I don't wanna make God look bad. So we pray things, God, if it be thy will, right? If it be thy will, then let this happen. Here's, here's where I am with all of this, and I want you to hear it with all my heart. I've gotten to that place where I have no fear asking God for anything at any time. We did a story on, on Annalise um, for Gem City and a little four-year-old girl that got cancer and brain cancer and down in Pittsburgh, and she's still going through treatment. In fact, I think she's done with treatments right now. But we're down there. You know what? I just pray to ask God, just heal her, take away the cancer. Just take it away. In Jesus' name, take it away. Like, I have no problem praying that way. But the pushback is people say, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if he doesn't show up that way? Um, Stephen Furtick wrote a book called Sun Stand Still. It's a great book talking about how when Joshua prayed for the sun to, to stand still in the sky, giving the Israelites time to defeat their enemy in battle. The Bible says there's never been another day like it. There's never been another day since. The sun stood still in the sky. Because what happens is sometimes you pray 
for the sun to stand still. But it still sets, doesn't it? Sometimes you pray for God to move in your marriage and to heal it and restore it. And sometimes it still falls apart, doesn't it? Sometimes we pray these things. And you gotta get to that place where no matter what, you say, God, you are sovereign. You are in control. You are Lord. You are the, you're the man. And so I've gotten to that place in my faith where I have faith enough even if God says no. Even if you pray for something, you ask for it, and God responds no, or he responds not now. But you gotta get to that place in your faith to pray big prayers, pray, ask God for miracles to happen in your life, in your families. Ask God for, for you know, him to move some mountains this year in an amazing way, and then give him room to do it. And if it's no, you know what? If he decides no, then have faith enough that God's still sovereign, that God's still good, that he's Lord, because what you believe in God is revealed in the way that you pray or don't pray. So for the next 21 days, we're really gonna dive in and see what God wants to do in and through our lives. Why don't you bow your head with me this afternoon? And let's take a moment to start this now. Let's be bold. Let's right now search our heart and ask God for, for maybe big things in our life. Maybe you'd say you're just one of those people, you've been praying small prayers and today you're just kind of convicted of that. That you're gonna reach out, you're gonna pray big things this year. And if it happens, great. Glory to God. If it doesn't happen, great. Glory to God. He's still sovereign. He's still in control. But let's not be afraid to pray big, to ask God to move in your families. Right now, ask God to move in this city. Ask God to move in this church. Ask God right now for people who are far from God to be brought to him, for God to reveal himself and his saving grace through his son Jesus to them. They have to respond and decide to follow Jesus. While we're praying right now, some of you are gonna pray the biggest prayer of your life today. And that's the prayer where you surrender it all to Jesus. The Bible says that as we confess our sins, we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart that, that God raised him from the dead that we would be saved. So the biggest prayer some of you need to pray right now is Jesus, save me, rescue me, open my eyes, that you're the savior of the world. And from this moment on, I choose to follow you and give my life to serve you. That's the, the biggest, boldest prayer that some of you could pray today. Those of you that are far from God, that right now he's drawing you to him. Let me lead you in that prayer. If that's you right now, I just wanna pray that with you. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. He knows, God, today, I respond to the gospel of Jesus and surrender my life to you. Today, I understand that Jesus died for my sin, past, present, and future. And today, I give him my life. I confess him as Lord. I confess him as Savior. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So right here and right now, I'm raised to new life in Christ, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, not looking around, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you right now, wherever you are in this room. That's awesome, praise God for you. That's awesome, God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray right now 
right now for those that said yes to following you, that you would empower them, that your spirit would overwhelm them, God, that you would guide them every step of the way in this new journey as they follow you, Jesus, and your example. We're thankful for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.